Hello and welcome to a new episode of Dear Ruby, a personal finance podcast that answers all of your questions. During COVID-19, we have been meeting weekly to talk about not just the government programs that are out there that are helping Canadians get through this really difficult time, but also some of the questions that are creeping up from Canadians about how they're going to manage their money going forward. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have had their wages uh, cut, meaning their hours cut, so they're not getting as much money as they were uh, before the pandemic started. And that, of course, is creating a lot of insecurity uh, when it comes to personal finances and all those old things that we talked about before the pandemic started, like an emergency fund and saving for retirement and making sure you put money away for all those extras. All of that seems secondary now. Really, we are in survival mode. We're trying to uh, find the money that we can to get through this time. And a lot of us are doing that on a lot less cash or relying on government benefits. And in some cases, those government benefits are soon running out. And a lot of people concerned about that too. So we're going to talk about the new things that we learned about this week when it comes to uh, the federal programs, provincial programs, and also some questions that we've been getting from our listeners when it comes to CERB, uh, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, and um, how that's going to be managed going forward. Uh, Bo Humphreys is here, my co-host. Uh, Bo, how has your week been? I went outside. Oh yeah, did you walk I more actually, than one kilometer? <laughs> I I went for a run yesterday. It was it was so nice. Um, I didn't take my phone with me, so Google's not gonna you know I, I we're not gonna have proof of this, but um, I know I did it. Um, so it's good, and and I actually ordered uh, something from our local donut shop. Uh, they got to be two days ahead, so uh, my, uh, tomorrow morning I'm gonna go outside again and and go pick that up. I'm surprised you don't wear, I now have an Apple Watch, which tracks every single thing that I do. I, I'm surprised you don't have that because I feel like you're someone who would be interested in the data that comes I, from yeah, wearing an Apple Watch. I am a technophile. However, I decided a long time ago to not wear watches. Um, I just don't like the feeling on my wrist. Okay. And, uh, and on top of that, uh, running for me, like if I have any little thing, you know, it's like kind of like the the princess and the pea uh, okay. situation. I it bothers me, right? Like I take my key to the house, and that's it. That's all I got with me. You know, no no water, no like. I mean, I, a marathon would be a different story. I probably would have some gel packs or whatever mm -hmm. you need to not die during a marathon, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. You, apparently, you do need to have food during that time. If you don't, it's really really dangerous. But like, if I'm going out for five k or less or whatever. I don't even need water, you know. I'll have water when I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, and now, I, I, you know, one thing I really realized yesterday is, um, I used to stop uh, at water fountains along the way, and that's not. First of all, they're probably not even on because that's mm -hmm. the city of Hamilton is really bad with that. But uh, I don't know that I would feel comfortable, and and I don't know that it's recommended. I felt comfortable with water fountains since elementary school so <laughs> i'm really right. surprised that it took a pandemic yeah, to get you there the <laughs> i was on the fence but uh, you know it's like they're there right uh, the water comes out it pushes all of the other stuff but you're Does right it, it, they are what about um, the, the spout that it's coming out of what who has put their mouth on that what has happened to that in the time that you weren't there <laughs> I forget if it was uh, Parks and Rack or Community who did this, but uh, they had this thing where, <laughs> oh yeah, I think it was Parks and Rack. They put every in the the town. Everybody had this habit of putting their whole mouth on the 
uh, on, the, on the spout. <laughs> and everyone was like, why are people doing this? We got to find a different way. This is a, so yeah, that just kind of like really exacerbated the whole, uh, you're right. You're right. I don't, I don't know that it was great in the first place. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot of things like water fountains, like a lot of public bathroom things that we do that may become less um, common. Uh, you know, even public bathrooms are often quite disgusting. You'll use them because you have to, but people yeah. might start planning differently and, you know, sort of leave so. the house. Because uh, when I used to leave my house before March 15th, I didn't think, oh, do I have to go to the washroom? But now I might think, I'm going to go now so that I don't have to go later because I don't want to use a public bathroom. I want to wait till I get home and I'm in a clean environment again. I think it's going to change a lot of our, like almost like a kid, you know, before you get in the car, go to the yep. washroom, right? Yep. So I think I don't have to go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because you and... don't want to have to take them into a public bathroom, but you might be treating yourself like that too. Yeah, and and also uh, it could be uh, you know crowds and things like that too. You, you maybe you want to go like I went. I like going to run in the prime of the day when it's the warmest. And uh, also in the middle of the summer, I do that too because I'm crazy. I like running in the heat and right, right, okay, that is crazy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, people people hate that or they're like, oh, early morning. You know, it's not yeah, Chris. Yet. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to go out there, and I it's like I'm I, I'm like uh, losing pounds and sweat, right? Right, um, right. But that's when most people are out walking. And I even noticed yesterday, I'm walking, I'm running, and, uh, oh, you know, I passed the liquor store and the beer store and the lineups, uh, you know, the line for, the, I think it was the beer store that was open. Actually, both of them were open yesterday because um, those are, they're essential. They're on the list, right? Right, right. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about that much, but, you know, that's so that the hospitals aren't overloaded with people who are in uh, alcohol withdrawal, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's two trains of thought uh, with the liquor and beer stores being essential services. One is that a lot of people at, are at home with a lot of time uh and mm, drinking is yeah. something that is, um, you know, something that people do to pass time, right? And if you take that away from them, then they're going to start feeling like there is no pleasure in their life. So a lot of people find pleasure in having that you know, evening drink or more or whatever. And then there's the other side of it, the the mental health and physical side, uh, physical also health, where people are addicted to alcohol. And if they don't, are unable to access that, they're going to have major withdrawal symptoms. They might go to other things to kind of get that fix. And that could be an even bigger problem for the hospital system. If they got com people coming That's in, right. taking drugs that they normally don't, and now feeling even worse, overdosing all the rest of it. So it's in a way, it's like sort of maintaining things so that we can deal with the the COVID cases. Um, you know, speaking of that, I, I I think everybody's I don't know if everybody's doing better than they expected. But I was just reading about uh, the uh, Los Angeles and how they have more ca more tests than they they can even use. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a bad problem to have. They're offering tests to people, so like maybe. You know, this it's better to be uh, ready, right? And so that was one of the things for the alcohol. It's like, okay, well, you know, we don't know if we're gonna be able to handle alcohol withdrawal uh, patients, but let's let's not take that chance. And then somebody who's in, uh, got COVID needs uh, won't be able to get a bed, right? Yeah, and so then the other side of it, which I think is also valid, is that. In Ontario, for example, the LCBO is run by the province and it is mm. a moneymaker, right? So okay. in, in, in during the pandemic, a lot of revenue sources have been cut. Like, for example, the, you know, the, the, we talk about the TTC a lot in the news, how uh, they're losing X amount of money every day because no yeah. one's 
the TTC. So this is money that, I mean, that's a municipal, municipal tax revenue source. But anyways, the point is, is that Ontario is already suffering when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the fact that they're spending money and not really getting much revenue. Uh, so this is a revenue source. And so, uh, you know, it, it also, from an economic point of view, makes sense for them to keep it open, get people coming in and buying, and then continuing, continuing that stream of income uh, for tax revenue purposes. I know, I know we got a lot to talk about specifically, but yeah, have, so, we, have we ever thought about just before we do that? Okay, okay, let's do <laughs> um, it. I, I, would just, I just had this thought. Do we, do we know like, where the money comes from, right? Like the, the, do, do people know that? Like where, if the government's like, here's a whole bunch of stimulus money, where do, where, like, is, are, are they actually just creating money? Do you know that? Do you know what happens? Well, are they I, borrowing it from someone else? So I believe that they're going into debt in order yeah. to fund these programs, and and then, who? well, they're they're going into they they probably are selling their provincial bonds. Sure, so that's one okay, way that they can raise money, right? And yeah, we know that yeah. the Bank of Canada has stepped in and done a big bond uh, buy program so that there can remain there remains liquidity in the system. So that's one way the Bank of Canada. You know, we talk a lot about interest rates. And we talk a lot about how interest rates help us pay our mortgage. But the Bank of Canada also plays a huge role in buying municipal, provincial and federal bonds and corporate mm. bonds in order to uh, in order for these organizations and companies to have access to money in the form of debt. Right. So if I'm struggling and then I go out and sell one hundred million dollars worth of bonds and the Bank of Canada buys it, I've now got one hundred million dollars that I can distribute to the people that I need to. Uh, but eventually down the road, uh, they're going to they're going to want their money back. And that's where down the road, people are already talking about the fact that there's going to be higher taxes. Definitely no tax cuts because they need to pay that money back. Um, Maybe something we can get into uh, deeper on another show. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I, I mean, I think I'm explaining it very high level, too. So but but that's, uh, that's where I mean, high level, like we, we, we want to break things down, right? Because it's it's all very. Um, you know, wh- however you can simplify it, it helps me because that's that's how I understand things, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, and and uh, when you when you get funds from the government, it's I mean, I think people understand that it's taxpayer money. It's not like it's not like Doug Ford is opening up his own bank yeah. account, and giving you money, right? So we're eventually going to pay for all of this. It yes. might take some time, but we're going to eventually be paying for this ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it, and there will be creative programs and creative, you know, austerity measures in the future, I am sure, sure. Uh, to, to, to balance the books because people get really obsessed with that. And um, right now, I, I think that it's just like when you have a personal emergency, you're not really worried about how much money you're taking out of your line of credit. You you're just, just concerned it. about doing yeah. it and getting through it. Right. So I want actually one way the government is helping the federal government in this case is the wage subsidy program, which Mm -hmm. um, just to give you a brief uh, overview for people who don't know about it. um, Basically, the government is offering money to employers to keep their employees employed, uh, to not lay them off so they don't have to take the Canada Emergency Response Benefit or CERB. Um, They definitely don't have to go on EI. And so that helps the government by not having to... um, pay out in those programs. And so they're offering a 75% wage subsidy subsidy uh, for uh, employers who are willing to keep their employees on, even if they've been hit by COVID-19. 
And the thinking is, is that if you keep your employees in your in your workplace rather than laying them off and they continue to do the work, that your company will be that much more healthier once the economy starts to recover rather than trying to uh, uh, get employees back after being, you know, completely shut down for a few months. And so it's really easy to have a company that's been chugging along to get back into the economy rather rather than trying to resurrect something that hasn't had anything happen to happen with it for the last three, four, five, six months. Who knows how long the pandemic is actually going to last? Um, you know, I have uh, some friends who are actually benefiting from the wage subsidy. Uh, they work for a theater company, and uh, the theater has basically hired them back with this program, um, given okay. them jobs like content creation and other things. Um, this is the Shaw Festival, which has done much better than the Stratford Festival uh, because they actually had some pandemic insurance. Um, not uh, not specifically pandemic, but they had insurance to help them against help them in these types of situations. Um, so they were able to keep their their actors and all the rest of the people that are involved with the festival uh, employed for some time. Um, and then when that insurance ran out, they were able to hire them back on this wage subsidy program. So there are definitely um, good stories coming out of this wage subsidy program for people who have been able to stay employed and get a, a salary um, uh, because of it. As you, uh, as I mentioned before, my parents are in Stratford. They run a B&B. And so they, I wonder, uh, I know the Stratford Festival is out doing some things as well. I wonder if they maybe already had a a bunch of bank and uh, or they they've utilized this as well, right? Because um, yeah, the, everyone's having to pivot. Um, but you know, so like maybe you you keep your staff on. You can't actually do the thing you used to do, but it helps you uh, stay afloat, maintain, which is what you're saying. Because um, it is it is so much harder just in anything. If you think of anything in general, to shut it down and start it up again than yes. just to keep it floating, right? Even yes. th- there's this argument, and I don't know if this is true, but I used to live rated Bloor and Jarvis, um, where the Rogers building is there, and the lights would be on all the time in in that in the building there, the the Rogers headquarters. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me because it actually costs more to shut them off, interesting. Then to, ter- to <laughs> right, then to just keep them on the whole time. I don't know. I don't know if that's right or not. That seems like just a switch, but maybe it's more complicated. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, yeah. It may be something I didn't understand, but it, mm-hmm. either way that it, it does like, you know, it does make sense to just keep something running at a low level versus mm-hmm. like whatever the shock to the system is. And it's a kind of a interesting analogy to this, right? You shock the system, you, you send somebody home, they, they're doing something else. They're getting comfortable. They're forgetting Yes. About yeah. what they do, they're forgetting the process. They're not used to it, and and also maybe they're the build the anxiety is building. Other so many things can happen when you just cut it off. Also, you might have the risk of losing these people, right? They might not want to come back. Right? Yeah, talent. Um, losing talent is one of the one of the things that companies are most concerned about because when you lay people off, and this is why they're furloughing people rather yeah. than laying them off. They're furloughing them, saying we're going to guarantee you a job in six months because they want to retain that talent. They probably have spent money onboarding them. They've spent time, uh, obviously, you know, searching for the right candidate even before they onboarded them. And then while they're in the job, you know, we know that good companies will send their their employees on training programs. Obviously. You get to know how the company operates. All of that is skills that you'll have to reteach somebody um, if you hire them, even if they have the same qualifications. And so um, this program, this wage subsidy program, which we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. is hoping that companies can retain uh, some of their employees 
through it. Um, they're actually extending it now to the end of August. Um, you know, uh, and, and Prime Minister Trudeau really sort of um, emphasizing to companies that this is a great way uh, for for companies to keep their employees on payroll. Uh, they will pay a maximum of eight hundred forty seven dollars per week. Um, you know, it was it was going to expire next month, but they've now said throughout the summer it's going to be going because we know that so many um, programs have been canceled and that uh, a lot of people are out of work. So there's a, a, there's a, a tremendous amount of uh, people who are looking for work who were not even employed before the pandemic, like, for example, students. So there's a lot of money going to people where there's no company that could even hire them back. So at least get the people who were with the company back working um, so that they can get off CERB, get an income and be that much more capable of getting back into the economy. So 847 per week is more than the the CERB, right, would uh, would be right if if people were off, if they if they have to pay them. uh, So it costs the government a little bit more. Is that to to our back? Yeah, so I mean, um, what they're saying is that companies who have lost money due to COVID-19 can apply for this wage subsidy program. They will subsidize salaries up to 75%, up to $847. So that, that employee is actually going to be making more than $1,200 a week if they if they take the maximum subsidy. Obviously, that money is now subject to income tax. So that's money back in the in the federal government's coffers. But so um, is the CERB, right? So is the CERB. Yeah, that, fair enough. And yeah. also that money now is, that gives them the ability to go out and buy things in the economy, right? So the CERB is very, it's a, a very um, uh, limited amount of money that most people would say, you know, $2,000 a month is really just going to get me through my basic essential needs. But if you give people a little bit extra money, the thinking is, is that they'll be able to save some money, they'll be able to go and, you know, buy things out in uh, in the world and, and help local businesses. Um, and then when the economy gets back up and running, they'll feel that much more comfortable spending because they'll have been able, they have been able to um, actually uh, make an income throughout the pandemic, um, so they won't feel like, oh, I've got to, I've got to get back on my feet. I've got to pay off this debt, um, and they won't have that same, like you said, shock that um, p- those people who've been laid off would have had. And uh, so many people, uh, apparently, multiple times have applied to the CERB. Uh, what was the number of thirteen million applications, but only eight million people? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think the CERB, like, I mean, there's been a lot of different stories about CERB out there, like even um, uh, uh, people coming forward anonymously uh, from yeah. the CRA saying that they are taking calls from people that do not deserve to get this. And so, again, you know, really, like we've been saying since we've started doing this weekly podcast for COVID-19 and answering questions about COVID-19 is that, you know, if you are applying for CERB, answer the questions honestly, make sure that you are not trying to fudge your, you know, the, the, your answers in order to fit whatever the, the application is asking you, because that's the only way you're going to protect yourself because you may be asked to pay the money back. And if you're asked to pay it back in, in May of next year, when you file your taxes, uh, it could be up to $8,000 and that could be a lot of money that you may not have readily available to you because you've spent it. So um, it, it's really easy right now to collect the money and say, I'll deal with it later. But coming up with $8,000 later, it it may be impossible for some people to do. Some people are using it as an emergency fund. Like they're applying for it to see if they get it. And then they're just holding on to that money, um, whether they qualify or not. They, they answer the questions however they need to answer, and some of them get through, some of them don't. It's really, it's too easy. It's too easy to get this money. I've heard of people applying with, the, you know, 
they're uh, uh, people who are not even alive anymore. Their, mm-hmm. their names in there, collecting people uh, who are in jail. Sure, yeah, jail, yeah. collecting it four times over. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it's just gonna it's gonna come back though. I mean, anybody who's listening who who <laughs> is thinking about just doing this and seeing what happens, it will eventually catch up with you. And you know, uh, I know how that works, and you're just gonna end up. Uh, having to come and see us uh, at the insolvency yes, uh, yes. trustee's office. So <laughs> you don't want to be doing that, right? Uh, overpayments, accidental overpayments, they happen a lot with EI, with child tax. And those are people filling these things out that are more complicated. And so you can make mistakes on that. So even if you get the money, it doesn't really mean that you were supposed to get it. If you think there's anything on the fence there, just call somebody and say, hey, was I supposed to get this and hold on to it and then ask how to give it back? Exactly. And there are ways to give the money back. The government has made it pretty easy to pay the money back if you got it out of error, uh, you know, whatever, the double payment or if for some reason you received it and you didn't, you don't need it anymore. So there are ways that you can, I mean, this is really, I mean, people get very kind of uh, caught up in do I, do I qualify or do I not qualify? The CERB is just like, income tax, if you think about it. I mean, if you are paying your fair share of income tax, when you go to file taxes in April, uh, the government's not going to come at you and say, no, actually, you owed X amount more. It's it, You have to take some self-responsibility. Like if you're self-employed, you've got to declare your income. If your income goes up one year, you've got to make sure the CRA knows so you're making higher payments to them so that you don't have a big tax bill at the end. Um, so it's the same thing with the CERB. They're not going to come and hold your hand and sort of figure out whether you qualify or not. I know with yeah. unemployment, there is a little bit of hand-holding. I think that's why people are confused. So the the big difference between the CERB and EI is that the CERB is a wage uh, it, it's basically an income supplement. It's basically saying you're not making money, but we're going to give you this money so you can get through. It's okay. not unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance is something you pay into, like your home insurance, and that when you need it, you tap it. And that's you why you have to file a claim. You have to like file other insurance. So exactly. Goes through so that process. It's a yeah. completely different way of managing the money. And with insurance claims, as you know, they ask you a lot of questions and then they ask you to report. So whereas this is more, you just need money. So here it is. I'm, I'm replacing your income and I'm going to just trust that you need this money. And later down the road, you're going to have to file all the right paperwork and we're going to figure out whether you needed it or not or whether you qualified for it or not. Um, there are there was one question I got about the CERB. Uh, he's an actor who was acting asking on his Facebook page and um, uh, when the CERB runs out. So some people who have been taking it taking it right since March 15th, it's going to run it's out in July. Up. Yeah. Wow. So there's wow. only like, you know, like basically two months left. So a lot of people worried, like, are they going to extend it? So they haven't made any announcements, the federal government, of extending CERB. But mm-hmm. I am assuming that because of this wage subsidy being extended to August, that they're yeah, now putting pressure on companies to say, listen, we're giving you this money. Bring your employees back. Uh, Get your that. companies ready. Um, and if you can go out there and hire somebody new, do that. And we're going to help you be you know, be able to sustain your business. Um, I, I think that they're going to really – because they need to they, – they cannot give this money out forever. It's going to drive the country into way too much debt. So they need to do things that are, um, if you're paying somebody to be at work, at least they're working, right? And if you're giving them CERB, they're basically sitting at home. There's no economic benefit to that, except for they're going out and spending the money on things that they need to buy. What Um, what was the condition for the wage subsidy? Like, can you just get it if you hire somebody? 
Uh, well, you have to have had your business uh, be affected by uh, by COVID nineteen. So, hasn't, right? Yeah. yeah. So exactly. So you have to have had seen a drop in. I believe it was seventy percent. Okay. Um, so the big drop. That's the main okay, big I, drop. I, I yeah. So you've had to see your part. revenue f- yeah. have fallen, and okay. um, yeah. then you can apply for this. And you. So, for example, grocery stores would not be able to use this yeah. subsidy, yeah. right? Um, or hardware stores, stores that, that have been deemed essential and are able to, people are still spending money there. So, but if you, yeah, yeah, but if you own a restaurant, (laughs) yeah, if you own a restaurant and obviously it's been shut down and your revenue has gone from whatever it was to zero, you could say, okay, I'll bring four or five of my employees back and we'll do takeout. And now I can afford to pay them, uh, because, um, I've got this wage subsidy. So even though it's costing me more than it would, if I paid them out of pocket because of the wage subsidy, I'm actually going to be able to survive, uh, my business. You do have to have the cash flow to pay and you get reimbursed, right? Is that the, that what I'm reading that you get it? Yes. Yeah. You get it back. So that might be the bottleneck there for some people is, but then are we get, are they getting small business loans as well? There's a program for that too. Yeah, right? there is a, a $40,000 line of credit that you can apply for. It's interest-free for a certain amount of time as long as you are, uh, I think you pay it back in a certain amount of and time. Some of it's a grant too, maybe. Yeah, like some of it's a grant. So it. you may be able to apply for that and then use the money. I mean, all people these... and then get the subsidy back. It's. I mean, it could work out that way. Maybe that's the whole idea, right? Because otherwise, how, where are you getting this cash flow from? You probably just had enough to survive. Your friend, uh, the opti- the uh, optical store, right? Yes, yes. Uh, you said she's she hired some people back. I should put on three Facebook. Three months expenses, she said. Yeah. She had saved yeah. up, right? So a lot of people might be in that sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. if they're actually very prudent, like that's actually pretty great uh, uh, working capital uh, for her to have had. Not mm-hmm. everybody has that, especially mm-hmm. if they're just starting out. Um, a lot of people who have come into our offices uh, lately uh, with businesses, some of them, it's because they had just started up, right? And mm-hmm. then this happens, and they were in tons of debt. So what are they going to do? They It was like almost they were going to be able to, to start paying everything off, as a lot of startups would, but yeah. not right at the beginning. This This is terrible timing for them. So at least she had that, and then maybe she can use that to pay people and then apply for the wage subsidy. Mm-hmm. But it's a really, it's a, it could be tricky for some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody who started their business in 2020 is suffering the most because they had all those startup costs that they obviously had not paid off yet. Most people don't have, yeah. you know, they apply for loans to start businesses um, and now they have no way of making money, right? Even if they had this great idea, they had no idea of making money. And going forward, there's a lot of businesses that just simply will not survive because they're not recession proof. Even malls, a lot of the businesses malls, in malls yeah. um, are not going to survive and they're going to shutter their doors. And who wants to go to a mall where half the doors are boarded up? Nobody really, you go to a mall to kind of have a little bit of you know excitement, see things and it's see social. nice window displays. It's a social the, thing, any, right? Anything that's social, right? Anything like you go, uh, I mean, we can we can get movies in our house, but you go to the theater a lot of times for the social yeah. experience yeah. and also the big screen. But a lot of people have giant screens in their houses too now. So it, it's just go like, there to see other people and, and yeah. get the popcorn and pay, you know, whatever you go there for the experience, experience. of it, even though you could so, you know, you could get it on demand at home in some cases. Yeah, exactly. Some people don't want to do that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about this week, which is, uh, is, uh, kicked off on Friday is now students can apply for the Canada Emergency Student Benefit or the CESB. Um, It's $1,250 for a four-week period. So they're covering May, June, July, and August. So basically the months that that young people are off from university or college. Makes sense. And if you have a dependent 12 or under, 
um, or you are disabled, uh, you can get up to $2,000 for that four-week period. Now, this is for students that would not be able to apply for the CERB for whatever reason, because a lot of students did make $5,000 last summer. Yeah, so they would they would just apply for the CERB and it would be fine. Um, But some students did not make that much money, or maybe this is their first year at university and they were planning on getting a job for that four months. They never worked, right? Or they never worked before. If somebody hasn't worked, then you don't qualify for anything except for this. If maybe if you qualify for this. Yeah, and students, this this the the one big. Um, criticism I have of the CESB is unlike the CERB, it's expected that you are looking for work while collecting this money. And mm-hmm. so they're asking you to visit the job bank so you can uh, keep, they, so they can keep track of your job search activity and like they, they can see that you're looking for work. So I feel like that is a really unfair pressure they're putting on young people uh, to look for because a lot of times the work is in very unsafe conditions. So it's frontline workers or it's in factories where we've seen COVID-19 outbreaks. So why are they treating students differently than uh, those who are, have lost their jobs um, because of COVID-19 Because uh, for, for, for full-time employees? I, I don't know why they're treating them differently. I mean, young people are getting sick with COVID-19 as well. There's no real proof that says that they're immune to it. So I don't no. know why they're expecting them to continue to look for a job while collecting CESB. It, it, like, what, what I'm thinking is that the government assumes a lot of students have already been supported in some way or another, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, for new students might still be true, right? They're still maybe dependent, right? Um, but a lot of people don't do not fall into that category. Um, a lot of people... They're, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little bit exclusionary for uh, to say, okay, be just because I'm in school, uh, that means that you're being punished in some way. That's really what it comes down to, right? It's like, I don't, I'm not treated like everybody else. I don't understand. Um, did, the, I, did they talk, has anyone talked about the, the reasoning behind this? No, I mean, I know that this was part of because there was um, uh, some negotiation with the uh, opposition party and this was okay. their ask was to put this in. So okay. I don't know whether, you know, obviously it's happening. So it, the federal government has to own up to the fact that they're asking students to do this. So but there is a diff- bit of history there where the, the conservative government was because all of these programs have been negotiated. It's not like they just come up with them and, you know, and, and make them happen. They have to negotiate them. And so this is one of the things they asked. And I don't know why there would be like there's so few students on CESB compared to CERB why those students would be singled out saying you know if you are able to work you must actively be looking for a job to be eligible to receive the CESB um, and if you still cannot find work due to COVID-19 you can reapply so obviously if you're sick with COVID-19 it's really easy to say I can't do it because I'm sick with COVID-19 or I'm taking care of someone with COVID-19 but if you're I mean if you're a student they might say to you why don't you go find a job in a meatpacking factory why don't you go find a job in a grocery store why don't you go find a you know and all these jobs are are very you know high um like they're they're in the public or they're high risk where they're dealing with you know people very in close quarters and you could get young people getting sick for no reason um i don't know why they would single them out uh you know i don't know what the numbers exactly are for cesb how many people have applied for it uh, but um, just started, right? So we don't we don't really. Yeah. Have so the, the application. Yeah. The application just started on Friday. 
So it uh, it's from May 7th until June 6th, I believe, and then June 7th till, and then the, the four months up until I'm August. Just, I'm looking at the criteria here to pr- be able to prove your job search, and it's like it's really like schoolwork. They're they're wanting. It's an interesting situation, right? So they're saying, for example, a student may be asked to submit a report on their daily job search activities, mm-hmm. um, which could include browsing and applying for job postings online, preparing a resume or cover letter, attending virtual job search workshops, uh, taking orientation quizzes, cold calling employers. The government encourages students to document the progress of their job search every day and has provided a sample job search form that can be used as a template. So it, if you don't have this, uh, you probably will... Uh, have everything clawed back if they audit you, and this is the risk, right? You could you could feign that right now. It's probably going to be very easy to say that you're looking for work. It's probably going to be a box on the form. Mm-hmm. Check the box. Are you actively looking for work? Yes, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to prove all of this, like with a job search log. Mm-hmm. So how many people are going to, you know, try to fake it, try to, or just do whatever the minimum is to make that log, right? It's like. I don't know. It's unnecessary like, pressure on yeah, young people. And is. if they're home, and many of them are home um, uh, prematurely because they're obviously the university is closed in March and university usually goes till the end of April, early May with exams and everything. Um, so many of them are home prematurely. Many of them worried already about uh, the education that they're not getting because they are now um, they are now at home and maybe online learning, but online learning does not compare to actually being one-on-one with your professors and teachers. And then on top of it, the government's saying, okay, we've got this this uh, benefit for you, but you've got to be looking for... So I, I feel like they're really... They're the ones that are really getting um, the worst deal in all of this is um, the people who are applying for the CESB. Um, if you are collecting CESB and um, you're actively looking for work and you still can't find it, say you get four months worth of that, I would highly recommend if you're living at home to save that money. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and be able to use it towards your tuition next year because currently no university or college is giving any break on tuition. So even if they go online, they're still asking for the full tuition amounts. There's absolutely no indication uh, because they've got to run their business as well too. They can't all of a sudden start cutting tuition costs because they've got ongoing costs too. So you it, know, if you're in a program, you're still paying the full amount no matter what. It might be better uh, for you to figure out if you can volunteer for something COVID related and get that five thousand dollar grant. Uh, Again, though, asking people to go out into the the to, well, you to don't have to go public. out, right? You can do it like you know, like I, like I mentioned, my wife is doing this all remotely, right? Right. Like, yeah, like, that's true. You know, yeah, like uh, do, doing the the clinical trials, right? Helping out with that. Uh, there might be other opportunities to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know what's out there, what's coming up, but that's another way. That is the only way to get a discount on tuition these days. But the, but speaking of uh, tuition and going to university, uh, the 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 kid that they had on the show uh, just before you, I think, uh, um, earlier this week, mm-hmm. um, was it the national? I forget. Um, but uh, he got into McGill, mm-hmm. and it's going to be virtual. They've already committed that classes are going to be online. Right. So he's not he's not going to Montreal like the he got in and and he actually applied. He said he applied after mm-hmm. he found that out or he mm-hmm. accepted it after after mm-hmm. he found that out because he looked around and most universities, it seems, have not committed to in person for the fall. So, you know, you're you're you got all this money, you get into the school and what you're uh, you're not going to school. You're not having that experience. So that's yeah. that's 
that's like what I don't know, fifty uh, percent or more of the university experience is. Going, uh, yeah, I would say right? more. Yeah, more. Yeah. Uh, first year university is probably the most life changing event of your life. I mean, all of a sudden you're on your own for the first time. Most people, um, yeah. you're living with people that from all walks of life, uh, from all you know. Usually when you're in your in your public school in your neighborhood, you basically are with all your friends that you grew up with. There's really no friction. All of a yeah. sudden. You know, you're meeting people from all parts of the world, all parts of the country, different socioeconomic classes, people who are there, you know, um, on scholarships, people who are there whose parents paid for them. I mean, there's all these different situations that you all of a sudden that you never really thought about when you were in, in public school when in high school. Like you all just go to school and come home and you all live in the same neighborhood. So you're probably all about the same anyways. Right. You're so, still a kid, too. Right. And it's you're like still this a is, kid. You're growing up going to school, you know, or. You know, you don't have to go to school. You're just going, going, maybe going into the workforce. There's a lot of things that are going to be missing in the fall uh, for people, right? Just to go out and, and experience the world. Uh, that, I think we're mourning that a little bit, uh, you know, or that whatever it's going to uh, evolve into, whatever that difference is. So one of the, the things I was thinking about is um, young people's experience in general. So we're talking about the CESB and how they're being asked to do different things than other adults, who are who are getting government benefits and then you just talked about how a lot of universities are going online so imagine that being your first year of university you don't get the frosh week you don't get the meeting the new people experience all of that is taken away from you and then now a lot of companies are thinking about doing work from home so could you imagine graduating university and getting a job and it's work from home and your, you know your, uh, your first job your first job you're just in your 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 home study office or your home office rather. And, um, the, the things, I mean, I don't know how I'm sure you can agree with me on this is that the network that you build in your twenties and early thirties basically carries you through your entire career. It, yeah. I mean, those are the people that you count on. Those are the people that become your mentors. Those are the people that you go to when things are tough for you and you need to look for work or whatever it is. Those are the, those, that's your network. Yep. And if you don't build that in your twenties, it's very difficult later on to do that. And how do you build a network if you're working from home? How do you? We're got to figure out a new way. We're gonna. Have, it's yeah. all gonna be. You know, there's gonna be virtual reality or whatever it is. It's it's gonna have to adapt, right? Because, or or we're gonna just get through this and and figure out the virus and the vaccine. You know, just might this might just be a delay, right? A, a year or two. Who knows, right? I would highly recommend if there's any young person listening and you are in university and maybe two, three years from now, you're going to be going into your full-time job, that if you have the option to work from home, don't take it. Go into that job, meet the people face-to-face, -face, do the FaceTime thing in your 20s. You can later on, like, you know, my, my husband and I are now working from home, but we've got our network, we've got our support system. We've already met those people face-to-face -face for many, many, many years and and had many experiences with them. But don't de don't deny yourself that because you will never be able to build a really robust, loyal network um, unless you, unless you're with them physically, I think. If it's, if it's safe, if it's safe to do. If it's safe. Well, this is after the pandemic. What I'm talking <laughs> about is companies yeah. shifting towards work from home. Yeah. Um, good point. Yeah. Don't take it. Don't, I mean, a lot of people think work from home is great, which it is, but only after you've experienced the work out of home. <laughs> that, that's, that's right. There are uh, virtual companies like WordPress, for example, who every, I think everybody works from home all around the world, but it's probably mostly people who have already had that experience right. right and they're it's able like, to manage yeah. time they're able to manage you know and there's something to be said of office politics and learning you grow through that as well too you know and yeah, yeah. 
you grow through different people, you know, just by work. You know how you, we always talk about how we spend more time at work than we do with our own family. And so you grow that way as well, too, because you're forced to spend time with people that you normally wouldn't choose to. Mm-hmm. It is an experience. And then you decide whether you want to keep doing that or not. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then you can choose with 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 with, with a more experienced um, uh, understanding. Uh, this has been a great episode. Uh, I think that you know, as COVID nineteen continues, uh, there are now more and more pointed questions coming out about benefits, about managing your personal finances, about how things are going to come out the other end of this. Uh, because now that we've all done the social distancing, it sounds like we're flattening the curve. It feels like they're going to start easing restrictions. Now we're going to have to live in this new reality and there's going to be nothing normal between now and when they find a vaccine. But even after they find a vaccine, what kind of economy are we going back to and are we prepared for it? So, um, you know, we're going to be meeting every week, Bo and I. Uh, we'll be taking your questions about COVID-19. You can reach out to us on our website at dearruby.com, which is D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. You can find us on most social channels. Uh, you can find us, you, know, you can email us or you can record an answer and send it through the website. So there's, it's your sort of option. If you record it, we might actually play it in the in in the um, podcast. Yeah. And um, realize that, you know, the programs are changing as fast as, um, you know, as the news is coming and that we're trying to digest them and give you the sort of uh, uh, best version of understanding what's going on rather than uh, trying to wade through all that information. Sometimes that can be a bit cumbersome on the, on the, on the Canada.ca website. All right. See you next week. Yeah, Bo, have a great week and uh, have a good long weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week. I think it's a combination of my entire childhood. Like it's always been like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, like it. wastefulness has always been considered like the worst sin. So whether yeah. it's food waste or time waste or money waste. So that's where it came from, I think. Because like yeah. my parents were always big on wake up, do something with your day. Don't waste your time. Like, you know, don't. And like, and I think a lot of things like we stayed away from, like my brothers and I didn't really do things like play video games or have, um, like, I, I'm trying to think of, like, time wasters back then. Like, things that just wasted time. We just didn't do those things because they never were in our, they were never in our reality. They weren't, like, it was like they weren't allowed. But yeah, then we wasted okay. time now. Like, I'll binge TV now and stuff like that. But well, that's, even so that's making maybe up your, that's your rebellion a little bit. Maybe, but yeah. you didn't you didn't rebel when you were younger, when it was, you know, time to to save, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Give or take. Yeah, I mean, like, I never watched, I didn't really watch TV until I got married. I'm going to be honest. Like, there's, I used to watch uh, Friends and Sex in the City. Those were two shows I enjoyed watching because I was a young girl and those shows appealed to me. But outside of that, like, I didn't even really watch the news until I started working in a news station. I'm like, I better start (laughs) watching the news because, you know, like, I was interested in telling stories and writing, but I didn't, until I got into journalism... I didn't really watch the news, which is sort of a sad thing to say. So like, um, like watch you're, it like the way I do now. Like now I watch. You're the news. just about 
experiences instead of watching tv and watching the news you just yeah and then i lived in england where i didn't have tv like i didn't even own a tv there and um and then i think we had four channels it was just all like i just never had we never had a tv in our main room in our house just Mm. yesterday my mom was saying oh i think i'll put a tv in the main room because it's too much for me to go up and down the stairs (laughs) and now i think it's fine yeah now i think but if that had been there when we were kids we would have just sat there i've heard about this television thing Oh, yeah, we should look into that. Oh, we had a black and white TV till 86. We bought it in 86. I specifically remember going to Sears and buying the colored TV. So like we <laughs> were way behind. Like colored oh, yeah, TVs I, I, were pretty common. My parents weren't huge on TV either. We didn't have cable. Uh, it, it was uh, well, TVO, yeah. CBC and CTV, mm-hmm. when La Chaine Francaise. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and then when Global started broadcasting publicly, that was like, Wow, I can get Oh, yeah, because there's pro- like American programming. programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then uh, I think it was CH. It's like, wow, I have five channels now. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, other people had cable and satellite and were like, yeah. um, you haven't seen this? What's wrong yeah. with you? Right? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I just never. Um... And then, like, oh, we used to watch 90210. But even that, if you think about it, we used to go to our friend's house and watch it as a group. So it was like an event. It wasn't like we binged it by ourselves, right? Yeah. Like every Wednesday, or I think it was Wednesday nights it would play. We'd go to my friend's house and we'd watch it in her basement, like us girls from high school. I don't know if I ever told you. Um, we didn't. We went to a hotel that had like free pay-per-view. Okay. And we brought our VCR. Oh, my and gosh. Ta- and taped? Taped it. And then we watched those movies forever. Like <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting. I watched oh that God. movie a million times. Uh, Die Hard, I think, was on there. That's what I was probably. So you just go in and just start recording as soon as you got in the My room. My brother and I just we had this plan. We brought the big VCR with us, and we brought blank tapes, and we just. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was our project. That's amazing.